Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me here at my little corner of the internet. This is the Off the Bench podcast. And today is the day that Dr. Mark Sherwood comes on the show and answers your questions. Man, we've got a lot of good questions, you guys. We so appreciate you sending them in. You're going to love this episode. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, let's just jump right in. You guys know that I love having Dr. Mark Sherwood on the show. Dr. Mark and his wife, Michelle, are practicing medicine in the great state of Oklahoma. I met Dr. Mark, for those of you who are new to the show, when he was running for governor in the state of Oklahoma, and we just hit it off right away because, you know what, it takes a very special person to want to run for office right now, and Mark is a very special person. You guys are going to love him as much as I do. He comes on the show once every other week or so to answer your questions, and he's back again today. Hey, my friend, Dr. Mark, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's so good to see you, and I appreciate you not pointing out the potential that we temporarily lost our mind when we ran for office. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're just we're just recovering. We're in recovery mode now, right? <laughs> That's right. <We're>, we are. <laughs> yeah. I heard the other day that it takes a couple of years to recover, oh. to recover from that. But uh, you have had a really good impact here at the podcast. I mean, we're getting questions all the time from listeners now, and I know a lot of them are starting to see you at your practice, and they're finding really great supplements and vitamins that they can trust. And so I love that you're here. Thank you for doing this. Well, you're welcome. It's really an honor and a pleasure to, to help people. And I've said this many times, and I truly believe it. The gift of health is the gift of life, and the more people are alive, the more time they can be around to hear about the Lord. So it mm. it, it serves a good purpose. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. Yes, ma'am. All right, Elizabeth in Illinois says she has a nine year old who struggles with anxiety, and she's wondering if you have supplements for children uh, when it comes to treating anxiety. I feel like Mark, there are an awful lot of young people really, really struggling with anxiety now? Well, Elizabeth, um, you're, you're not unlike many people we talk to with anxiety being very common today. We're seeing that societally across yeah. the country, even progressing to the state of even violence. And so anxiety is increasing. There are reasons for that. When, when one has anxiety, we're typically dealing with some aspect of their life that has an unknown component to it. And it could be a trigger from school relationships, brother or sisters, just, uh, you know, a person going into puberty, the whole bit. Uh, having said that, the main reasons for anxiety are not just emotional, but they're also tied to the spiritual and even the physical. Mm. Sometimes when we're not creating enough neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine, we can be a little anxious or have inability to pay attention, a la the uh, ADD, ADHD kind of concept. Yep. What you want to do with your little child, and this is really key because children can do this, you want to make sure your child has a good amount of vitamin D. When they get to about 12 years old, I like about 5,000 IUs. Someone at nine, between three and 4,000 IUs are sufficient. When a person has low D, high anxiety slash depression can really take root. Further, you want to make sure your omega-3s are up to date too. Now, you want to watch a child swallowing a capsule because they can choke on it. So I like liquid sources of omega-3. The one that I like for them is one that is a flavored liquid. So it comes in three flavors that we have, mango, peach, 
citrus sorbet, and there's even one for key lime pie. So I should say three flavors. That's pretty good. So it's actually good. If you can give your child a tablespoon of that per day, that will also help with brain performance. And find a good multivitamin. The one that I like is called Vitavescence, and it's a liquid. And so if you go a liquid multivitamin, and the D I talked about, the D caps are pretty tiny, but if you're worried about the D capsules, you can get that in liquid too. So that's what you kind of want to do with these children and make sure they've got enough adequate nutrients there, work on the stress piece, and then obviously work on nutrition too and get those inflammatory foods out of there. Man, inflammatory foods, is it's a, it's a yeah. big deal. It really, really is. Ellie in Montana, she says she's got hormone headaches starting at the end of her cycle going through ovulation. She said, I don't normally get headaches, but I develop them after I turn 34. I'd like to know what I can take to help. Well, Ellie, welcome to a potential new period of chapter in your life called perimenopause. That occurs uh-huh. about 15 years prior to the average age of onset of menopause. Perimenopause, you begin to have a decline, not in estradiol, but also but in progesterone and testosterone. And that can create these uh, significant changes in these PMS-type symptoms. So you want to get your hormones checked and primarily ensure that your progesterone and your testosterone is not dropped off the cliff. Consider a little bit of progesterone. You can get a less than prescriptive dose, which can help you sleep and ease anxiety and sometimes relieve the headaches as well. And that helps you. That's called progest avail, progest avail. And so less than prescriptive dose, it's a little oil. You can put a little bit on your neck at night and sometimes the inside of your wrist helps a little bit. And that should help you uh, somewhat. Additionally, you want to increase coenzyme Q10 and magnesium as well. Those two things tend to run short, and they can also have a correlation to headaches. Are there foods, I mean, I think we're hearing more and more about this, right? We really want to eat foods that are good for us. Are there foods that can help a woman with those symptoms? Are there things that she can be adding to her diet that would say, hey, if you're struggling with headaches or you Mm -hmm. look like you're in perimenopause, what are some things that she can do to just improve her diet? Well, flaxseed, if you can get some uh, flax is really good. if you I can like find, to get it and, and grind it up yeah. and put it on my toast. It's actually really good. It mm. It is. It's got a nice flavor to it. If you can find some organic soy products, that's also helpful because those also have some wonderful hormone balancing uh, processes as well. Just make sure with the soy, you, you want to significantly stay away from any genetically modified stuff because yeah. that goes the opposite direction. Yeah. And then this goes along to getting hormones tested. I mean, you and I were just talking about this before the show. Lots of women writing in to say, hey, I'm having all manner of issues with my hormones. Where do they start when they just want to find out what's the baseline? Well, they want to check the following markers. You want to check something called DHEAS, which is stands for dehydroepiandrosterone sulfate. I mean... Don't remember that term, but I, I won't. Um, it's gone no. already. It's a hormone producing your <laughs> adrenal glands. So you want to make sure you check that one because that can see give you a correlation of the cortisol push you're having. You also want to check uh, follicle stimulating hormone known as FSH. You want to check LH, luteinizing hormone. You want to check progesterone, estradiol, and then testosterone. Those are the six markers. If you just check those from a basic standpoint, we'll give you some some general ideas of where you are. And it's also good for perimenopausal women to check your full thyroid panel as well, TSH, T4, and T3, because many times those hormones will communicate with each other and you'll see one get a little off course, which affects another one. And 
And then in that aspect, I just noted weight gain can be a very big uh, problem. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of people, as you know, and we've talked about this before, who are really struggling to find a doctor. If they don't have a doctor in their area, they can go and talk to you about this and have blood work ordered. They can do that through you correctly, even remotely. They can. My wife and I and our team would would love to be a blessing and serve people. Every uh, two weeks, the second and the fourth Tuesday of the month, we have a free webinar. And we generally make the subject matter hormones because today everybody asks about it. And so it's free. Go to the webinar. You can get a lesson on hormones. And if you're still interested in scheduling an appointment, you can. There's an opportunity to do that. You don't have to wait like months and months and months. No, we have openings between a week and three weeks away. So it's it's a pretty fast turnaround and we can get blood work done in your area and help you out. I love that. You guys go to uh, Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi and you can sign up there for uh, everything that Dr. Mark is talking about. All right. We have an anonymous listener who says she has an embarrassing question for you. It sounds like she's had a bunch of babies uh, and she has had, she is really struggling with hemorrhoids that she dealt with it for years. She's literally tried everything. Lots of water, high fiber diets. She doesn't know what else to do. Is there anything she can do to avoid surgery? Well, that's a, a a big question, depending on the size of the hemorrhoids, right? You know, so there's there's kind of uh, some things you can do. You can use all those preparation H compounds to see if you can organically shrink them. Um, try to do that. Try to keep your diet in the form of things that don't create pressure or problems coming through the, the rectum, right? And so that would be like you could use, for example, uh, what we have our kingdom fuel, that's a good meal source that would come through the system without any sort of uh, issues. It has the right amount of fiber, but doesn't have that roughness that could sort of disturb a hemorrhoid that's flared up a little bit. I would give it a few weeks, honestly. And if that doesn't go away, you you, you want to get someone to look at it. You really do. I know people don't like surgery. I get that. But today, depending on the size, they can go in there and put a little band on that kind of get it out of there pretty easy. So again, you know, use a little wisdom here and realize Mm -hmm. that acute care medicine is actually still not bad. That's right. And I think it's, it's, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, we don't, we don't want to overcorrect. That's right. You know, get so upset that, that, or maybe a mistrust in the mainstream uh, medical community that we miss out on opportunities that we should otherwise take advantage of. And so it's possible that this mama needs some surgery. Don't be afraid to go talk to your doctor and say, hey, I've tried everything else. I'm here because I think I'm wondering if surgery is an option for me. And I, I think that's what I'm hearing you say, and I, that's wisdom. Yeah. Well, look, doctors didn't go into that as the most part to hurt anybody. They all right. take the oath, first do no harm, and they mean it. Unless they're in transgender medicine, then they don't well, mean it at all. Yeah, that's kind of nutty. I don't understand <laughs> that because that has nothing to do with helping people. But no, um, you know, and as a general rule, though, People should not uh, fear some of the best acute care in the world. That's what we have here in America. And it's a big old blessing. Yeah, I get it. People losing trust. But let's face it. It's up to us to stay well. It is you you and I and all of us as people. But we have places we can go and surgeons we can see if things don't go well through no fault of our own. And that is, to me, uh, a blessing from God that we have in this country. Yeah, it is. It's so important. And you want to know who you're seeing if it's, yeah. if it's at all, uh, if it's at all possible. All right. Sydney in Canada 
She's curious to know your thoughts and recommendations for iodine supplementation. A little research she's done seems to indicate that many or most people are deficient in iodine and that it's critical for most functions in the body. She's also putting here that she's four months pregnant. Sydney, what an amazing question. Iodine is deficient in most people. Iodine is protective towards the thyroid and the breast for breast cancer. Um, you know, even government recognized iodine deficiency because they put iodine in salt, didn't they, years ago? The iodized salt. And then we were told that salt's bad for us, so we don't do that because it creates high blood pressure. So now we're more iodine deficient. Historically yep. speaking, Sydney, this is fascinating. You go back and look at the original manufacturer of bread. They used to infuse iodine in bread. Isn't that crazy? But now they took iodine out of the bread and put it in salt, but they infused in bread bromide or bromine, which is the same chemical place in the periodic table as iodine. Bromide blocks iodine. So you, you look at this bread intake of this standardized processed bread that has bromide in it, that can block iodine uptake, making us more iodine deficient, creating more thyroid issues and more potential breast cancer issues. When you're talking about supplementation, I like a product called Iodizyme, Iodizyme, I-O-D-D-Y-Z-Y-M-E. I use it myself. It has 7.5 milligrams of potassium iodide and 5 milligrams of iodine, cumulative total 12.5 milligrams, exactly what you need for protection against the thyroid and against the breast cancer issues. So I highly recommend people consider that. Uh, make sure that you get a good thyroid test first and make sure that your thyroid is not um, needing other attention. But other than that, it would be good to start. All right. Anonymous in New York says she's got the beginning of a sty and she wants to know some good natural ways to get rid of it quick. I'm telling you what, I'm, I, my kids spend a lot of time, especially yeah. in the fall, in theater. And I'll tell you, one kid gets a sty and it's gone. It is going around. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like, stop sharing a mascara one. What's wrong with you people? But how can they treat this? Uh, what are some good ways to get rid of it naturally? Initially, hot compress. That's what you do. Put it on there and just let it sit. That usually gets rid of it. They end up clearing on their own. Um, something other than that, you got to go seek some attention. But for the most part, high most part, 90% plus hot compress, and they're going to go away. Yeah, we've found that with our kids too, yeah. and especially if, if you can, if they come home and they go, "Mom, I got, I'm starting to get a sty in my," you know, right before they go to bed, put that nice yeah. warm compress on their oh. eye, and then when it cools off, they just set that thing in a bowl next to their bed and drift off to sleep, and it's just a great, uh, a great way to do it. Rachel has wrote, written in to say that she's nearing the end of a fifth pregnancy, and all these pregnancies are back to back. Yeah. Uh, with that being said. With each postpartum, I've had more issues with more postpartum depression and anxiety. Do you have any tips for dealing with it? I have never felt it was as severe enough to see someone about it, but I'm looking for more natural ways to prevent or manage it. So, Rachel, obviously, having your fifth baby, congratulations on being a wonderful mom. I think that's tremendous. So good job on you. Um, obviously, as time goes on, you get into the time where, as I stated earlier, even perimenopausal-ish can come upon you. But keep in mind that the first trimester of pregnancy, the ovaries are doing a pretty good job of creating this hormone called progesterone. The second and third trimester, the placenta takes over the job. 
Now, that's interesting because what's also delivered when your baby's delivered? The placenta. So all your progesterone goes out at that moment in time, creating a lack of progesterone. When progesterone goes south, you can have depression. So the idea of postpartum depression is really about suddenly losing progesterone. So what can you do? You can take a little bit of progesterone. That typically fixes you right up understanding what I just talked about and further understand that adequate progesterone is also needed to create a solid pregnancy. So it has a lot of good effects there. Um, Heavily consider utilizing it, uh, especially postpartum, so that you won't go into those depressive modes. Man, I know my daughter's been on here and talked about this before. Uh, the struggle with postpartum depression is real. Yeah. And I think when women understand the 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 physiology behind it and sort of what can cause it and you realize, okay, I don't have to live in this space forever. No. Uh, I think that that helps a lot. She also had a little PS to what she said. She said, thank you for all of your advice and wisdom. I heard the podcast about ADHD and ADD supplements. It's helped my four-year-old to focus and not be in so much trouble after being on those supplements for several months. My house is so much calmer. Well, praise the Lord for that. Love to hear the praise reports because in our, uh, our, our earth, you know, our, 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 earth, our bodies were made to exist and inhabit the earth. God made the mm. earth for us. There are ingredients here for us to live by that will help us not just survive, but to thrive. When you put those right ingredients in, the body works very harmoniously and synergistically with that. So that's pretty good, I think. And one more comment I want to make for the the idea of postpartum. Remember, no one is born with an antidepressant deficiency, and that's what you're typically going to be offered. Now, I'm not saying they're horribly wrong. If the train's going off the track, if you need something for a little bit to take the edge off, fine. But have an exit strategy, please. You know, because if you don't, you know, you're going to get into a situation where you can begin to treat a ill with a pill. And that's not what we're about. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think it's, I've talked about this before a bunch on the show, you know, my heart having had seven children of my own. Uh, this is a real deal. And oh. uh, when I talked to I talked to a mom not the, not too long ago who'd spent a lot of time, quite a bit of time actually on Zoloft after yeah. I think her third or fourth baby was born. And I said the same thing to her. I'm like, you know, it's okay to do for a while. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think that they're good for a while mm-hmm. when you really need them. But what you don't want is to be on it for the rest of your life. What you don't want is to feel like I can't survive without this. I can't function without it. Uh, because your body's just gone through a tremendous change in having a baby. And we yeah. want to do as much to boost our body's natural defenses uh, as possible. So Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Uh, that's your heart. All right. This one's from Courtney in North Carolina. Uh, she's got a little two-parter question and we've only got about four minutes left. So okay. Courtney, we're going to run through this as fast as we can. She says she has underactive thyroid mm-hmm. or Hashimoto's and she's trying to get everything under control with a functional medicine doctor in town. She's on Synthroid and now a T3 supplement would help with some of the horrible brain fog but it can cause heart palpitations to flare up. And this is where the second part comes in. She was diagnosed with sinus tachycardia um, or with PVCS. The cardiologist states that they're not life-threatening because she's not showing signs of blockage. And she, then she's telling you what her resting heart rate is. And so she she said she's heard magnesium, glycinate, and selenium are the best options, and she's really wanting to know if you can help her. Well, our friend in North Carolina, the answer is yes, we can. All right, so when you think about Hashimoto's, 
that is the creation of these antibodies that are attacking your thyroid, hence the need for some thyroid support. Uh, the T4 you're doing, which is your medication, and then you're adding the T3 supplements is right. If you get too much of that, you can get heart palpitations. So always want to check the T4 and specifically the T3. On the free T3, you're looking for numbers somewhere between three and four as a general rule to look at. Additionally, make sure you're doing an anti-inflammatory diet to allow the potential to see those thyroid antibodies reduce. Very, very important to do that. Now, with your tachycardia and anything that controls the heart rhythms like that, magnesium glycinate, tremendously good choice. Always think like that. Another thing you can add is something called NO2, number 2U. That is actually nitric oxide wafers, and they work really well. They'll open and help the vessels dilate and let more blood go through and can cause blood pressure and heart rate to sort of simmer down a little bit. So do those things and you'll get a little bit better. All right. I do have time for one more question. You were so fast. That was really fast. (laughs) Well, I was um, trying to be cautious of time there. Good job. Well, excellent. So now, now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna get fit one more in here. I've okay. got a mom writing in that says she had she got COVID, and she uh, did not. So she doesn't have the vaccine, but she ended up getting COVID, which she said she recovered from fine. But she doesn't feel like she ever got over the brain fog from yeah. it. And I actually am hearing this from a lot of people who just feel like, man, I got cobwebs in my brain, and my I'm not uh, uh, processing things mm-hmm. as quickly as I normally would. Is there anything that uh, listeners can do who are struggling with brain fog and just want to have a better cognitive response? Yes. Uh, I see that all the time as a residual effect of COVID. Yes. And, and yeah. for whatever reason, I think it's because of a, a large creation of more inflammation within and more oxidative stress within that happens to affect the brain. Now, having said that, there are some things you want to do. Think choline, C-H-O-L-I-N-E. That's a good brain nutrient. That brings calm. Think L3 innate. That's a magnesium form that crosses the blood-brain barrier. Theanine is also good for that. Omega-3 fatty acids, try to get those up to three grams of a three-part to two-part ratio of EPA over DHA. Everybody needs that. And then I beat a dead horse with the idea of vitamin D. Make sure you're doing 5,000 IUs of vitamin D every day. Doing those things right there. Even people in the sun? Even people in the sun. And See, the, this is, I had a person right and say, I don't need that. Are. I live in Florida. Yeah, oh. the, the darker your skin, the more you need. So remember, this is protection from the absorption. But in today's world, you just don't get the conversion from UVB rays anymore because of toxicity, et cetera. So everybody needs to do that. If you have brain clarity issues, especially do it. But even if you don't do it to prevent that. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm going to second that. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on my podcast. But I got to <laughs> tell you, I got to tell you, um, you know, when when I went in years ago and they said, you know, my vitamin D was practically non-existent yeah. and putting me on vitamin D was an absolute game changer. And I do 10,000 a day now. Yeah. And I just I rarely ever skip it. And I can tell uh, and this happens to me sometimes when I'm traveling and my life is super crazy and maybe I get out of my routine or whatever, I can absolutely tell when I start to uh, to fall in those vitamin D levels because we don't, yeah. are we not manufacturing them on our own or what's the deal? 
We're not. I, I think that maybe uh, I hypothesize that it's because of the pollution, the sun's coming through that, and also the pollution within. Uh, our skin acts as both a barrier and it also lets things in. But if you think about this from a common sense standpoint, if all we are is toxic because of the yeah. persistent organic pollutants that are around, this barrier is not going to function properly. And I think probably that affects the synthesis of vitamin D and also. I check a lot of genetics, and unfortunately, a lot of our vitamin D receptors are a little bit genetically blocked or slowed. So mm. um, I, I just have, have seen, unless you're, you know, I haven't found anybody that's not uh, inefficient and much less deficient of vitamin D. And then 100% of the people I've tested have been deficient in omega 3s So there's just two right there that people need. And if you're if you're thinking about ways to uh, increase good food for omega threes yeah. and vitamin D, what are you, what are, what are your suggestions? Well, you got to think seafood, and uh, mm -hmm. and I I love seafood myself. Some people don't, but if you can think seafood, uh, that has a high level of omega threes. If you want to really get down to it, you can get some sardines. Those are amazing uh, for omega threes and even some vitamin D. Good old cod liver oil. Has A, oh, D, no, E, and K. Cod liver oil. Yeah. It's got a great taste too. Just kidding. Um, wild caught fatty fish. Wild caught fatty fish are amazing. Wild caught salmon up where you live. That yep. is beautiful for the omega-3 content. You going to come here and go fishing with me? Come on. Yes, I come will. Come on. Let's do it. The salmon are getting ready to run. Let's oh, do it. Got to do that. That sounds fun. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, that's all we've got time for today. Dr. Mark Sherwood, where can people find you online? Go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. I want to know where people come from. We have a ton of listeners that ask questions and we end up getting the wonderful blessing of an opportunity to get to work with. So go right there. All the information that we talked about today, any supplement we talked about, you can find it there. There's ways to work with us, as I talked about earlier, by just participating in a free webinar. I love that. And that's exactly what I hope people will do. Uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood, I am just blessed as always to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming today. And I'm looking forward to doing it again real soon. Can't wait. All right, you guys, you heard it here first. You want more information on Dr. Mark Sherwood and his practice. If you're interested in any of the supplements he was talking about or even in booking a private consultation, which I have done several times, I'm telling you what, you'll be blessed. If you don't have a doctor or a lot of you I know during COVID, uh, your doctor either moved out of town or he moved out of your state or whatever, if you're looking uh, to see somebody who's got both common sense and hasn't gone off the deep end with the woke ideology, this is a great opportunity. Sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. Thanks for submitting your questions. We love to hear from you and you can submit them to me directly at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Uh, Mark and I get those questions and we talk about them before the show. That's how we choose what questions we air on the show. So when you submit your questions, guys, please try to keep them short and sweet and to the point and be thinking, would, this, would other people be, uh, be concerned about this issue as well? And we are happy to answer those questions here at the Off the Bench Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day. And I'll see you right back here again real soon at the intersection of faith and culture.